0: Welcome to The Real News Network. I'm in New York City, and this is Paul Jay, and reality asserts itself. Rana Faruhar is an associate editor and global business columnist for the Financial Times. She's also CNN's global economic analyst, and she joins us now in the studio. Thanks for joining us, Rana.
1: Thanks for
0: having me. So we left off with uh, wealthy people heading off to New Zealand and, <laughs> and uh, finding safety. And I actually think this is... R- More real than some whims of some people, Um, I think. After the Stern report, uh, you know, -hmm. know, Stern was the, uh, as you know, the former head of the uh, chief economist for the World Bank. He goes and does a study for um, uh, Tony Blair on what the uh, possible effects of climate change will be, and it's it's apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. uh, His predictions of what are going to happen. I it was taken pretty seriously. I mean, there's critique of the report in various ways, but the underlying science has become clearer and clearer. Um, And uh, we could be crossing a two-degree threshold as early as 2050, according to seven of the leading climate scientists of the world, including Sir Roger Watson, and Mm. they predicted that prior to the election of Trump. So get rid of all, even if it was modest, uh, climate legislation in the United States with Trump. Um, are we looking at 2040? And we're talking a matter of a few years, yeah. and we could be past a critical tipping point. Yeah. Um, I think that the thinking smarter elites, uh, including those in the Pentagon who have looked at this and yeah. call it a great national security threat. Indeed. Um, they, I think, they, I think they know it's coming, and I even think a lot of the people that claim to be deniers know it's coming. It's just politically expedient. If you're in in the fossil fuel sector, you know, to take that kind of position, the same way you said there was no, cigarettes didn't cause cancer, they're going to say there's no climate change. But both, they knew. Right. I think this heading for the hills is for real, and and when you start (laughs) looking for, you bring artificial intelligence into that, Mm. where you can, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, I don't know what the time frame is, but robots could be doing most of what working people are doing. Yeah. Then why do the wealthy need working people anymore?
1: Um, You know, it's a great question. AI is something that I'm looking a lot at. It's where I'm actually throwing most of my reporting uh, energies at the moment. Um, In some ways, I think that the the crisis of the big fang companies, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, that we've seen in the last few months around election manipulating, is in fact the tip of the iceberg of a much larger crisis in the digital economy, where you do have AI moving forward. I mean, you know, just recently, um, Google uh, AlphaGo uh, was able to learn the entire history of human chess in fifteen uh, you know fifteen hundred years of human chess history in a couple of hours and then start besting human players. And in fact, after a certain period of you know, playing with grandmasters, it decided to stop playing with the humans and start playing only machine against machine. It was
0: getting bored. <laughs> it was
1: getting bored and learning faster the other way. So the AI stuff is real, and if you think about um, you know we've been talking a lot about capital and the power of capital Um, but if you think about what powers the digital economy data data is the new oil right that's a that's a phrase that I've used and is becoming a catchphrase Um, if you think about what the two paradigms are now for who's going to rule that economy you've got on the one hand Laissez faire U.S., where um, these large tech companies are relatively unfettered economically. Um, they have great monopoly power. Um, uh, finance and tech are actually neck and neck right now in terms of GDP, uh, and they're merging. In fact, fin, I was about to fintech. Say, there's no wall you know, between fintech them. Fintech really. is be- right. That's yeah. that's exactly right. I mean, you know, and it, Apple may become a bank someday. Who knows? You know, um, so so this kind of giant behemoth here. Allowed to do whatever it wants to small and mid-sized companies. That's the US model. Um, there may be some data privacy regulation in the US. In China, you've got, they've got their own tech giants, Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent. They also have unlimited ability to collect data because it's an authoritarian state. So it's you know there's surveillance everywhere. There's entire smart cities, which by the way are wired up by U.S. firms often, um, that the monitor you know every aspect of what's going on with people. And that data is the raw material that fuels AI. Now, AI is already being used in ways that we can't even uh, you know begin to imagine. I'll give you an example. I was um, at the World Economic Forum in Davos recently. I spoke to an insurance executive, and insurance is kind of a, seems like a boring old line business. He was um, out acquiring Hong Kong data firms, all kinds of AI technology, in order to eventually, the thinking was, put sensors in homes and in cars to monitor, say, how you're taking care of your pipes or whether or not your 16-year-old is smoking weed in his bedroom or how fast you're going in your car and how quickly you're braking. And the sensors would be relaying all that information in real time and then they would write you, if you are deserving, a personalized insurance policy. Now think about what that does. to the, You talk about collective versus individual. The entire insurance business model has been based on collective aggregation of risk. Suddenly, AI... And data and the digital economy allows you to write individualized, personalized policies just for you, just for me. Now, that's great for some people, but it also might have you have an entire class of people that would be uninsurable now. Well, who's going to insure them? Well, the state, probably. With what money? We've already talked about where the debt is. So it just starts to snowball a lot of these problems that we've already been discussing. It is
0: so nuts because all the data mining is all based on being able to sell stuff to people. That's right. But they're going to, they are the same technology <laughs> right. is going to eliminate everyone's jobs.
1: Well, it's so instead funny.
0: of Instead of all of us benefiting yeah. from it and saying, OK, robot, go do the work. We'll go make a new, we're going to write a play.
1: Yeah.
0: They're going to try to be selling stuff to people who don't have work anymore, like it's completely crazy. It's
1: it's completely crazy, I mean it's reminding me, Howard Schultz, the head of Starbucks, who's I would say one of the more enlightened business people that I've come across, says he thinks that we're heading to a world of latte makers and latte buyers, and that you better hope that you have more buyers, because otherwise the whole thing falls apart. And so I think that what's interesting is people that are really on the forefront of retail, I think that they sense that this, this problem is already starting to happen.
0: You truck. I mean, the truck drivers are almost gone. And the yeah. self-driving cars. I mean, you go through the economy. The, the joke's going to be AI is going to be way better at running hedge funds.
1: Oh yeah. Than any. Oh, people. Be the they first don't need ones. any
0: people there. The,
1: well, if you look at you know who, who works in most hedge funds, most of them are run by a handful of people.
0: Mathematicians and physicists.
1: And there's you know five of them running billions and billions of dollars. Um, Let me look. Yeah.
0: I think AI has another potential, Uh Um, and it's already shown itself, is that I think now there actually is the potential for a planned economy. I think the idea of having a planned economy in the 1930s was kind of nuts. Yeah. I read somewhere that when they tried to calculate a bonus for a worker who worked better on an assembly line than someone else it, it wound up needing 2100 signatures yeah and it took months of math mathematicians trying to figure it
1: we already have
0: brilliant planned economies
1: yeah so wh- wh- amazon <laughs> right, right,
0: right fedex
1: yeah
0: walmart yeah. like they're internally yeah brilliant, and the more AI develops, the more brilliant they're going to get. Yeah, the problem is they're they're owned by people who would rather do stock buybacks.
1: That's interesting. Than do something
0: productive for the society.
1: I know, Paul. You might have a revolutionary idea there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I. It's a very interesting point. You know, I've been talking a lot to the French about this topic. Um, There's a lot of action right now in Europe and I would encourage your viewers to look at Europe in the next couple of years and how Europe starts to put a regulatory framework and a policy framework around the digital economy because I think Europeans are looking and saying, okay, we don't want the authoritarian surveillance state of China, but we also don't agree with the kind of anything goes values um, corporate capitalism of the US. What are our values and, and how, and, how can we preserve an economy that can grow and prosper and one thing i'm hearing a lot about from the french for example who have great data scientists and who have a very rich startup ecosystem but have been crushed often by the googles and the facebooks i'm hearing talk about data trusts where the pub there could be some public oversight of personal data in such a way that corporations that want to access that would then be monitored they would be supervised and that some of that wealth that lives in IP because almost all wealth lives in it, data and IP now that could be monetized not just by the state but by individuals and there's you know there's the possibility I don't want to be too um, sci-fi here I'm no technologist but you know you, things like blockchain I mean they don't necessarily have to be used for speculative currencies like Bitcoin they could be used to create as they are in India digital identities that could allow individuals. Individuals to potentially well, monetize I think that's their one, data. one
0: of the most important points of your book is the way capitalism, that in its earlier days was, mm. was completely revolutionary and innovative and in, in every sphere of science mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so on, that finance is, 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 is the obstruction to yeah. innovation and creativity. Yep. And, it's, and nothing better than the digital revolution. Like what is possible now yeah. is being so held back and it's not by the financialization and the way stuff is owned in this sector, because right. they are all totally in bed with financialization. But I but I guess where I'd go with it is I don't see how it can be otherwise without a much more major role to a public sector. Oh, I think so. I, and that's how do you why
1: solve I, it? I, I would agree with you, and I think that that's why you're going to see Europe taking the lead, because I don't actually think, I think, okay, A, we're not going to see any regulation around either finance or big tech unless the Democrats take Congress in the midterms. Even if the Democrats were to take Congress, you still have an existential split within the party between the more financialized, you know, I mean, Chuck Schumer saying he wants self-regulation of big tech, and the more Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders wing of the party, so. And there's a
0: war going on in the party right now. And
1: there's a war going on about this, and it's unclear who's gonna win.
0: Let's end with a quote from Rana's book, Makers and Takers, How Wall Street Destroyed Main Street. Even if we don't understand the particulars of Wall Street, we all know on some gut level that the current system isn't working. How could it be when 1% of the population takes most of the world's wealth, and a single industry that creates only 4% of jobs takes nearly 25% of our country's corporate profits? I think we need to develop a new and more accurate story about the role finance plays in our economy. Doing so will require a detailed analysis of the facts by people who don't have vested interests and aren't captured by the system. I hope we do this again.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: And thanks very much for joining us. And thank you for joining us on Reality Asserts
1: Itself on The Real News Network.